This is the third lesson in these lessons that the Holy Spirit has led me to bring to us on the rapture. Two Sundays ago, well, this will be three Sundays ago, I spoke to you about what to expect if you miss the rapture. Last Sunday, I shared with you eight things you should do if you miss the rapture. And for some it may seem that I'm speaking to the wrong crowd, but not according to this book. Because I spoke to you from Matthew 7 and 21 last Sunday when I told you. That many will say to him on that day, didn't I do this in your name? And I, and I, you know where I'm going, I'm going to really preach it. Didn't I, and to paraphrase it, bring the, didn't I go to church? Didn't I worship? Didn't I do charitable things in your name? Wasn't I a member in the church? And he will look back and say, sorry, I never knew you. Because the criteria to make it in the rapture. It's to be born again in a living relationship with the Lord. Not name on role or position in ministry. But a walking with God and not just getting saved so we can escape the fires of hell. I bring this to you last week and the week prior and this week. Simply to say that millions will miss the rapture. And many of them will have been from the church. And so I come this third Sunday with this word concerning the time frame from the rapture to the return of Jesus Christ. Seven years. And I might just enlighten you by reminding you of a Timeline that I've been using the last two weeks, and this the third, by telling you that we are now in the age of the church. Since the cross of Calvary, Jesus' crucifixion 2,000 and more years ago, this has been the age of the church. The age where, after Jesus' ascension, ten days later, 120 were in a place in Jerusalem called the upper room by Jesus himself instructing them to do not leave Jerusalem. Told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you be endured with power from on high. I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. And what you fear you could not do now that I'm gone... Because I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come again, the rapture. Unless you think that now I'm gone because I did everything for you while I was here. And I'm sending you to spread the good news and you can't do it. I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And you know that happened just like Jesus said. It's been over 2,000 years and the church has grown from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth over 2,000 years. 
And Jesus said in the course of that time, didn't tell us how long it would be, but I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you unto myself. John 14, that where I am, there you may be also. Not going to tell you the day. Not going to tell you the hour. Nobody knows but the Father. I'll come in my good time, but you be ready, be ready, be ready. You know, and I don't want to re-preach all this stuff, but I need to tell you that, that I'm surprised we made it into the 21st century as I think about all the signs that have already been fulfilled about the coming of the Lord. Now, now let me just focus your attention here to think about where we are. It's been 2,000 years. The thing we're waiting for that no more signs need to be fulfilled about is the rapture. It could happen before I finish preaching. That's how close we are. There are no more signs that have to be fulfilled about the coming of the Lord. And somebody says, well, what about that sign that all the gospels should be preaching all the world and then shall the coming of the Lord be? That's the return of Jesus seven years later. That's going to happen. But there's enough satellite coverage and world communication that that's probably already happened. But just in case you think that that is subjective to the rapture, it isn't. All the signs about the rapture and the coming of the Lord has taken place. I told you this, and again, I don't want to get bogged down in, in, in reviewing, that the return of Jesus, the rapture and return of Jesus consists of two parts. Okay, when he comes again, he's coming, the first, he's coming in the clouds. I, I taught you that last week and the week before. He's coming in the clouds. And those who are alive, those who died first in the faith, those who died waiting for the rapture, thought that they would be alive when Jesus snatches us away. But they've died. They're going up first. It's going to be so fast. It's going to be in the moment of the twinkling of an eye. Can I get an amen, somebody? So fast. And then all of us who are alive and remain, if it happens now, all of us who are serving God and born again, only saved people. Only saved people. No unsaved people are going to the rapture. It's going to happen so fast, we are out of here. And after we are out of here, and not long after that, after this world goes into convulsion and chaos and catastrophe because almost 1.75 billion people will have escaped this world because of the potential number of Christians that are ready to go after after that that we are gone here uh, from here and nobody can explain it after CNN and ABC and Fox and all these people try to tell you what's happened and they can't explain it after all that takes place a man's going to come on the scene and he's going to be very charismatic, very, uh, very good in his ability to speak, very brilliant. He, he's going to be, uh, he's going to come to power. We talked a little bit about that. And he's going to kind of settle down the world and try to explain it. Well, when that happens, my friends, seven years are going to transpire in the in-between before Jesus returns with you and I who have been with him in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. After the rapture, the world is going to go into a period known as the tribulation. And there is going to be all manners of judgments on this earth, all manners of catastrophe, all manners of disease and disaster like this world has never seen. And it will take place as part of God's judgment upon this world for over 2,000 and more years deliberately and blatantly refusing the free gift of His Son and salvation. 
Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let me set the tone. Last evening, as Valerie and I were transitioning from our activities and doing a few things in the kitchen, it's about 8 o'clock, and, and, and so, uh, so I thought I'd turn the television on. And she said to me, while we move around and all, why don't you put it on a channel that both of us can enjoy? And naturally, with my sense of intuition and spirituality, I knew for sure she meant that I could find whatever college game I wanted to find, and she would enjoy it with me. I was wrong. I've been wrong before. She had the Hallmark channel in mind. And I knew that we couldn't enjoy that together, so I wanted to please her, so we ended up on the History channel. I tell you, brothers and sisters... I was profoundly riveted for two hours to the television, which I do not find good companionship with on a normal scale. Because the History Channel began to show a program on the seal judgments of the book of Revelation, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. I, as it began to open, I said, Valerie, that's exactly what I'm preaching about tomorrow. Exactly this. And I thought, well, they're going to give us some kind of twist or angle that will be anti-Bible. And I was, again, profoundly impressed. That's why I was riveted, because I stay riveted thinking, how are they going to mess this up? How are they going to bring in some kind of man or junk or some kind of nonsense to mess it up? Did anybody see any of it? Would you acknowledge that? Yeah. Okay, numbers of you. And I tell you, I stayed with it because I, I said to myself, it was so, they have the capacity I don't have. They have the graphics and the footage and they can do all kinds of stuff which you can see uh, as it relates to earthquakes and as it relates to tsunamis and as it relates to fire and the meteorites and the asteroids and as it relates to all kinds of disease. They could, while they read the scripture, they, they can, they can uh, show this kind of stuff. And, and I thought to myself, God, there's a reason why you have intersected my attention last evening with this. And here, here's what the theme of their presentation was. The, the question for them was, are these kinds of disasters possible? Meaning, the judgments that we read about in Revelations. Are they possible? And if they are, what kind of evidence is there, there that... They could come to pass. Because they introduce it like I'm trying to introduce it here. They know that over 2,000 years ago, approximately 2,000 years ago, a man by the name of John was banished to the island of Patmos as persecution for preaching the gospel. They tried to kill him before by boiling him in oil. And God wasn't ready for him to die. So they couldn't do it. So I thought, well, we can't kill him. We'll put him on a deserted, abandoned island. And he'll fare for himself. We won't provide food, shelter, or clothing. And he'll just die as an old man in destitution. But God wasn't finished with him either. Because it's on that island of Patmos... That God gave him the revelation, the book of revelation that you read. Can I get an amen? Okay. And the Holy Spirit began to show John 
what is to come and told him to write it down. And he did. And what the History Channel was doing last evening was asking the question, is there scientific evidence that these revelations John recorded on the Isle of Patmos almost two years ago could come to pass, or was John hallucinating? The answer is yes and no. Yes, there is scientific evidence that every one of the judgments of God recorded that will take place in the tribulation is very likely to happen because our world's uh, knowledge, our world's warfare, our world's biology and science and uh, all, all of what's going on in nature has come to the place where every one of these judgments can and will take place. There were people on that show last night who don't claim to be theologians or preachers or have an advocacy to the Word of God who said this more than once. Scientific people said this about these possible judgments. They said it is not a matter of if they will happen. It's a matter of when they will happen. I'm telling you, thank God that science appears to be catching up with what God has already said. Amen, brothers and sisters. Whether science, the History Channel, or Washington, D.C., or any place else puts its stamp of approval on this or not, it is going to come to pass because it is the infallible Word of Almighty God. Somebody pray him if you know that's the case. Yes, it is going to happen. And no, John wasn't hallucinating. I feel a whoop glory. And I've told myself, settle down and just teach. No, he wasn't a senile old man writing down a bunch of gobbledygook. He wrote it down in comparisons the things of his day and time. He couldn't write it down as we see it today because he didn't have the same things. Jets, airplanes, nuclear, nuclear weapons. He didn't have knowledge of bioterrorism. Can I get a witness here? So he couldn't call it all those things. But he wrote it down and now we have something to compare with. And so I say this to you because... I want you to know I do not want you to be here for the tribulation. During the tribulation, one half of the world's population is going to die. During World War II, one in four people died. During the tribulation, one in two will die. I, I, I say this to you because I want you to understand that you don't want to be here. Because of the repeated judgments of God, there will be judgments that have to do with the outer space and our atmosphere. There will be judgments that have to do with the water in the sea and on the land. Can I get a witness, somebody? There will be judgments that have to do with vegetation and animal life. 
There will be judgments that involve wars and the release of nuclear weapons that brings a fallout of what might be another season of, of the Ice Age. There, there will be judgments of such proportion, brothers and sisters, until you need to understand that if you can prepare now and get ready now and pray up now, you better do it now because the power of God through the Holy Ghost that convicts people to get right with God now will no longer be as prevalent in the tribulation. And while now the Holy Ghost draws you, a song stirs you, a preacher stirs you, a testimony stirs you, the Word stirs you, and you say, I got to get saved, and, and, you, and you try your best, but you can't do it. If you think that you can serve God in the tribulation, my friend, all the demons of hell and the devil himself will rule the world for a season, and you won't have a chance unless you die, die for serving God. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you here that I want you to understand that God is saying one more time, I'm coming. I'm sending my son. God in the person of Jesus, who is God, is coming again. We have been warned. Let me just touch on some things here. And I know I won't get very far because I thought I'd get further in the first service. But as far as we'll go, we'll go. The tribulation is going to be a visitation of hell on this earth. Isaiah warned about it in the Old Testament. Look on the screen, I'll read it. He says about the day of tribulation, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. All hands will be limp. Every man's heart will melt. <coughs> Didn't Jesus say, man's heart failing them for fear for the things that will come upon the earth in the Gospel of Luke? It goes further to say, <coughs> excuse me, for the stars of heaven and their constellation will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth. And the moon will not cause its light to shine. The indignation of the Lord is against all nations. Their slain shall be thrown out. Their stench shall rise from their corpses. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Pause and look here. Haven't we already had natural disasters, volcanic eruptions, tsunamis, hurricanes and earthquakes, and even as recent as the island of Haiti, where there was so much death and devastation, there was not enough people to go and gather up the bodies and give them a decent burial. They smell and rotted in the streets. This is not just about events that will take place later and the capacity of which we don't have an idea. The Lord is coming. And these are signs that will take place in the tribulation. And here we are talking about the tribulation and the return of the Lord. So if we're talking about these signs and the return of the Lord after the seven years of tribulation, you must know we're mighty close to the rapture. Let me show you another scripture. Not only Isaiah warned about the day of tribulation, but Jesus himself said in Matthew twenty four twenty one, For then there will be a great tribulation or great tribulation. Such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. 
You think it's bad now. You think that murder and rape and sexual abuse and child abuse and violence and, and people, you know, people, you think, you think when people couldn't get any more blatant in their assault of others or their crimes, they are even more bold. They break into people's house without any mask. They go into banks without any mask to cover their face, to rob the bank. They go to convenience stores knowing cameras are everywhere. I, I mean, they, they come, they, they, they kick in people's door. I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm here to tell you news you already see on your television. And I want to tell you the only reason why some of us have not been targets of that is because God has allowed the Holy Ghost to protect us because you plead the blood over your family, over your children. Pray for God's protection. Because there's coming a day when hell will invade this earth. You don't want to be here. Not only did Isaiah warn about it, Jesus prophesied about it, but Paul predicted it. You're still with me? Say amen. First Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. I tell you that a mother carries a baby, and if they carry that child full term upon that ninth month, when nature takes a hold of that child's desire to come. <laughs> and she might be driving her car, or she might be in the house, or she might be attending the, 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 the laundry or doing what she can in that ninth month. And when that baby gets ready to come, it is, it, uh, it is a kind of a pain that cannot be ignored. And that's when you husbands don't need to be coming around and loving and saying, Honey, you'll get through it okay. And after it's over, we'll have our own candlelight dinner and be romantic. She'll slap you in tomorrow. She'll say to you, That's the, you the very reason I'm in this mess, Army. Leave me alone. I act like I have experience, don't I? Well, let's move right on. Closest I've come to... Having the pains of pregnancy is that I have given birth to two kidney stones. And I won't tell you something. They should have come out like diamonds before what the pain I endured. Now, while I have you on the light side, I need you to understand that when Jesus comes, if the rapture takes place today, oh, he's going to come unannounced. And he's going to come like a thief in the night. And then even even now, when they say peace and safety, be very careful. But even in the tribulation, worse. Let, let me show you something else. Not only did Isaiah warn about it, and Jesus prophesied, and Paul predicted it, but John, the revelator. You are in 6 Revelation. Are you chapter 6? Amen. You can either follow on the screen or look in your word. Verse 12. This is about the, the tribulation. And I looked, and when he opened the sixth seal, Jesus, the Son of God, opened the sixth seal. And behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it was rolled up and every mountain and island was removed out of its place. And the kings of the earth and great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. Why? 
Because the Bible says, And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Look at me and listen to me. This tribulation time, the time of the apocalypse, Apocalypse meaning the time of catastrophe and disaster and the unveiling of what is to come. This tribulation period is no afterthought to God. He didn't just come up with it last year and added it to the back of the book. He has been warning people for centuries. Pastors, prophets, teachers, preachers. Ever since Jesus ascended, and ever since the church began, beware the day of the Lord is at hand. He has used mamas and daddies, grandmas and grandpas and Sunday school teachers and whomever. The day of the Lord is at hand. Throughout the scripture, the tribulation is referred to by different Names, but means the day of the Lord, the judgment. Seven years. Seven years of tribulation starts right after the rapture. And what happens is, there's a three and a half year, uh, let, let me put it this way. The seven years is divided into two segments, three and a half years. First half, second half. The first three and a half years is the unfolding of the judgments of God. By way of the seal judgments, S-E-A-L. Not the kind of big beaches on the shore. By the seal judgments, let, let, let me see it. And, and if I'm talking to people who already know this, please indulge me. Uh, in the form of communication that business people did with each other in the days of Christ. Uh, Governors and other leaders of political significance sending a mandate, a declaration, a proclamation to some territorial people. They would write it on a scroll and they would roll it up. Okay? Whatever directive. They would then take hot wax and seal it. They didn't have the kind of envelopes we have now. They take hot wax and put a, 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 a seal here. Then the king, the governor, the businessman would take his insignia, his ring, okay? And dip it in the hot wax, showing from whom it comes and its significance. The carrier, horseback or running or otherwise, would take the scroll sealed with hot wax. And the signet of importance. And take it, to, take it to its destination. If upon arriving at its destination, the seal was broken and the insignia violated, the person carrying it would be responsible for having gotten to somebody else's business or betrayed the message. You follow me? The Bible says that there will be seven seal judgments. We can read about them in, in, the, in the scripture I gave you. That will take place one after the other. 
as God unfolds his judgment upon this world and Israel. Then, then following those, there'll be seven trumpet judgments. Meaning that, that God will allow the, an angel or whomever he chooses, but an angel we know, to sound the trumpet loud and clear. And it will announce, here comes another judgment of God. Seven seal judgments, seven trumpets. And in the latter part of the tribulation, the last three and a half years, there'll be the bowl or the vile judgments. Meaning like a large bowl, symbolic, that is full of judgments of God being poured out on the earth, upon the sun and the moon and the stars. I read to you, the moon and the sun will lose their capacity to do what they're supposed to do. The sea and rivers will return to blood. The earth will go into convulsions of different kinds. And they're all described here. Because I say this to tell you that God is saying, no more will my house be desecrated. No more will the blood of my son be trampled over by a world and a society that knows better. No more will preachers get in the pulpit and practice homosexuality and adultery and fornication and lie to my people about my word and Expect to get away. Anybody hearing me? Nobody will. No, God is saying, I give you too much time. I give you your whole lifetime. Listen to me. You know what America has done? If we don't want to live by the word, we change the word. Or we change the church. Or we get mad and go to another church where they're not preaching sin. God is saying, just because you ignored it. If you knew the truth, you are responsible and you will be judged. But you don't have to be here. You can't. Be gone if you're ready. Give a Lord a thanks. I'm going to help you, Jesus. Here, let me just give you some phrases that describe the tribulation. It's known as the day of the Lord. I have scriptures for all of this. If you're interested in it later, I'll give it to you. I didn't put it on the screen. Every one of these phrases that describe the tribulation have scriptural support. It is known as the day of God's vengeance. Have you ever asked God, why do you let them get away with that? Have you ever seen little boys and girls get assaulted, murdered, sexually exploited, and you say, oh God, why did you let them? They haven't gotten away with it. No. Have you ever seen adults, senior adults get exploited? God, why did you? All the life savings from our retirement. Somebody called me and and I'm, I'm, I'm playing this out. Nothing happened to me, but I saw it this week. Where, where people were being uh, called from the, the country of Costa Rica in, in Central America. Where shysters had set up phone banks and calling people on here in the United States. And the caller ID shows an area code and number of Washington, D.C. And they're saying to them, I am with the federal uh, Trade Commission or something of the federal government. I don't have it verbatim. Uh, or with the IRS. And uh, we have a check for you of 1.2 million or 350,000. Now, because I'm with the IRS, they require that you pay your taxes up front. 
But ma'am, sir, there are even those who say, I'm a Christian and I'm calling you. I wouldn't do this. I'm a family person. And they cause some of the older people who are amazed or some other people who are thinking, you know, wow, I have, I've gotten something. They, they phrase it in a way you remember. Uh, you have family member that died so long ago and money was left and it's been discovered. And we are now commissioned by the IRS. I'm calling you from Washington, D.C. Do you want to talk to my supervisor? And, and people send their money by the thousands and they end up. People uh, like in Costa Rica made $22 million before the ring was busted. Who is getting away with it? Nobody. You, you may escape your mother's judgment. You may escape your father's judgment. Your boss, your coach. You may escape your preacher's eyes. You may escape your wife or your husband. But I'm telling you, there is a day of the judgment of God. The Bible calls the tribulation the time of Jacob's trouble. Meaning Israel. Israel is Jacob. Okay? And you understand that during the tribulation, God is going to judge Israel for their rejection of the Messiah. And there's more to be said about that. And I told you a couple times in the last two sermons how the Antichrist is going to make a peace treaty with Israel and with the Palestinians. And the Antichrist is going to look like the real Messiah. And Israel is going to, going to worship him until he turns on them. Because he's not the Messiah. Jacob's trouble. The Bible calls it the seventh week of Daniel's prophetic word. The seventh week. It's also known as the time of the end, the tribulation. It is called the great day of his wrath. You don't want to be here and you don't have to be. The word of God says it's the hour of his judgment. It says the end of the world. The scripture says the tribulation is the time of indignation. It is called the wing of abominations. It is also known as the time of trouble, the tribulation. I think those are enough analogies to tell us it's a thing and an event that we want to avoid. So, so let me see if I can bring it all together by, by addressing this. What are the purposes of the tribulation? I thought Jesus loved me. I thought God sent his son to die for me. I thought... Christianity is all about love, love, love. And you thought right when you thought Jesus loves you. And God sent his son to die for you. And Christianity is about the love of God. But if you stopped there, you wouldn't have known the whole story. Because of God's justice and judgment and righteousness, he will not overlook sin. And so, there are at least six purposes, and I'm going to hurry through them for the tribulation. Number one is the sovereignty of God. It is impossible to read the book of Revelation, church, without seeing God's sovereign hand guiding all the events that unfold. You know, before this earth was created, before you and I ever came on the scene and our grandfathers and etc., Satan had a place of prominence in the heavenlies with God. He was a high-ranking angel. He was one of the highest ranking of the angels in heaven. Perhaps of the order of the cherubims or seraphims. A lot of authority, a lot of power, a lot of glory. Because God had a hierarchy of angelic power. And blessed Satan, who was known as Lucifer. But that wasn't enough for him. 
He said, I'm going to be God. And I'm going to be like God. And everything God has, I'll have. And every adoration he has, I'll. And God promptly ejected him, booted him, cast him out of heaven. Because there's only one God. One third of the angels of heaven followed Satan. And since then, Satan and his hellish hordes have rejected God's sovereignty. The tribulation will say to Satan and his hellish hordes at the battle of Armageddon and beyond. I'm God. God will say, I'm God and you're not. I'm in charge and you're not. The tribulation speaks of God's sovereignty. Let me show you something else. The second thought. Why the tribulation? Because of utility. Tribulation comes from the Latin word tribulum. Tribulum means a farming tool used to separate husk from corn. God will use the tribulation like a utility tool to separate good from evil once and for all. Can I get a witness here? Utility. He will judge the world in wrath. He will separate the sheep from the goat, the just from the unjust, the righteous from the unrighteous. Nobody escapes the final judgment. Here's another, here's another way that we understand the purpose of the tribulation is the word Fidelity, 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 maybe is the way I should say, meaning God is faithful, faithfulness of God. Might I explain? You understand that God made a covenant with David to establish David's house and kingdom and throne forever. How many remember that? God said when he brought David to the throne, Samuel anointed him. And out of the tribe of Judah and the house of David, that out of his tribe and his house, There will arise the lion of the tribe of Judah. (laughs) He's alive. His name is Jesus. And I know there have been other governments in the Middle East and in Israel since David and Solomon. And there have been other governments all over the world that has risen up themselves as sovereign and almighty and dictators and what have you. But But the faithfulness of God is that Jesus Christ is coming back at the return after the tribulation. He is coming with the armies of heaven. He is coming dressed in a robe of white. He is coming with a, with on a white horse he's going to have a double edged sword in his mouth he's going to have the guys his, his word is going to be like a double edged sword and he is going to come not only in the clouds but down to the earth he is going to destroy the armies of the antichrist and the false prophet and the devil and he is going to rule and reign and set up his millennial kingdom and you and I are going to be there every eye shall behold it. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. (laughs) You don't want to miss the rapture. Let me hurry. Wow, I don't know why. Finality. I'm looking for this word finality because 
for thousands of years, our planet and this world's population have been under the curse of sin. If you take notes, you need to get this. All sin has an appointment with God's judgment. You didn't hear me. All sin has an appointment with God's judgment. The tribulation will provide that closure. Wrath and judgment are coming and God will set things right. The Bible says the harvest of the earth will be ripe and it will be reaped. Now listen to me again. If you didn't like me before now, not likely that I'm going to get your vote. (laughs) But I'm not about anybody's vote. I'm just about dying one day or rapturing one day and just hearing them say, You didn't please everybody, son, but you pleased me. That's what I want. All sin has an appointment with God. Listen to me. I'm talking to people who are spending Sundays doing things and in places celebrating their flesh, their pleasure, their family, and their possessions. And seldom frequent the house of God. I'm talking to people whom God is saying, if you don't get it right now, all that stuff you hoarded up and you worshipped and the car and the house and the cheerleading and the gymnastics and the schedules and the ball games, all that stuff. See, you're probably getting mad at me. That's okay because my calling is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I know that if I keep preaching like this, I may not have to build a 1,500-seat sanctuary because you're out of here if you're offended. But if you'll hear the truth, you won't just be out of here. You'll be out of here up there thanking God that somebody loved you. It's amazing. It's amazing how people think. That they can sleep and have sex with their boyfriend and girlfriend. And come to church and think they're going to heaven if they die. It's amazing how people think they could look at pornography. Because they're adults now and they can handle it. And think that they'll go to heaven when they die. It's amazing how people could think they could practice homosexuality and lesbianism. And it's amazing when preachers and pastors get caught in their sin... How they start throwing off portions of the Bible and throwing it away and explaining it away and saying that was Old Testament, that was Old Covenant, that was Old Law. And still stay in their church and try to build a church and think that they're going to heaven. Now see, if you find any uh, violation of what I'm saying, you bring it to me and show me in this book. And then I'll change and apologize. I'm just trying to get you to heaven. I don't know what they're preaching out there. You understand? Uh, but if I have one more mega church pastor involved in sexual sins, if I hear about one more TV preacher involved in sexual sins, if I hear about one more pastor resigning his church because he got a woman here or a man here or money stuff here, I'm telling you the coming of the Lord is near. 
and, and what, what America is looking for is for pastors to tickle their ears, make them feel good. By the time you get to your car, you done forgot what the Word of God says. That ain't what God... I'm telling you, hell is real. Judgment is real. Devils are real. Demons are real. Hell is getting ready to pour itself out. And God wants to rescue you. I reluctantly tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. Sometimes in my position as pastor and my position in our relationship to the denomination that I serve, the Church of God, I'm called for the discipline of other pastors. Accusations against them or certain things they may have done where it becomes necessary to have a trial board and to hear the accusation of the ones making them, and to hear the response of the accused. I didn't say this in the first service, but I say it now maybe because I need to. And I say it having examined myself before doing it. A particular preacher was brought to the place of a trial, an ecclesiastical church trial. The accuser presented the charges of repeated adultery with him. And after the evidence was given and the charges confirmed as charged and the judgment given, I had occasion to speak to the one who made the accusation in the presence of her husband. And I said, ma'am, didn't you know that this was wrong? Didn't you know that sleeping with this preacher, repeated like you did, and going against your family was against the scripture and that you would die and go to hell if you were doing that? She said, yes, pastor, but he, the preacher, told me that if we are left behind in the rapture, we could get saved in the tribulation. You see how one lie leads to another? I just told you that one half of the world's population are going to die from earthquakes, nuclear war, volcanic eruptions. Next week I'll tell you some more. I'll tell you what the seal judgments are. And the tr- I'll just talk to you about I, I told. I just. Do you know that, that right now in this world there are enough nuclear weapons to annihilate the world? We don't have to wait for them to make it. Do you know that there's enough bioterrorism, biological warfare made in test tubes and contained in refrigerators in this world that if it were to be released into the atmosphere, an airplane, a bus, a subway train that you are on would infiltrate your lungs wherever you breathe on somebody else? Do you know that capacity is already there? I'm not trying to give you some kind of science fiction Steven Spielberg bunch of junk. I'm giving you the word of the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you can't serve Jesus now while the Holy Ghost is going to help you, what makes you think when the devil... And you see, the Bible says for a season, the devil's going to be given the key to the bottomless pit. Are you all here? You know I'm not mad. Thank you, Lewis. You're the only anointed guy here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Do you know that the devil is going to get for about five months the key to the bottomless pit? Do you know there are chained and unchained demons in this world? Read your Bible. 
There are unchained demons in the world right now working, but when the devil is given the key to the bottomless pit, he is going to unchain the other demons. I'm telling you, the tribulation is going to be an invasion of hell. Somebody say, ah, I don't. I, you see, oh God, help me. My mom and dad's here, and they're going to pray for me. This Halloween stuff that America's playing with, there ain't no demons. There ain't no witches. There ain't no darkness. Do you know that Jesus himself believed that were demons, he cast them out? Do you know demons are real? Do you know he came across a man whose name was Legion because he had so many demons, they were almost innumerable? Do you know Jesus was continually casting out demons because they are not imaginary, they are not cast for the friendly ghost? Uh, and Ameri- you know, you, boy, I'm telling you, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of my subdivision where I live as you go in. Not the whole neighborhood because I may have some neighbors here. And they're like, oh, God, I came to church the first time and he's ashamed of me. Not my whole neighborhood. The subdivision where I live and I go into at night and, and this season, there are witches and goblins and there's spider webs and there's cobwebs and there's, there's graves in people's front yard, mock graves. All, and there, there are orange lights on during the night because of all. All this kind of stuff celebrate, and it's all in innocence. Let me tell you something. Just like if I were to light a candle and hold my hand in the fire for a reasonable length of time, I would get burned. So it is when you play with those kinds of things. <laughs> I apologize. I'm going over time, but listen. Ain't nobody here looking like they're going to die if you've missed a little bit of food. Hell is real. Demons are real. Come, my brother. And, and you don't want to miss the rapture. Might I give you two more thoughts and I'm going to close. I, I, the tribulation spells eternity. We're headed into eternity. But those of us who are gone won't have to go through the tribulation. I already taught you that the first Sunday. Pre-tribulation rapture. But it's part of the eternity of things. The judgment of God. The the tribulation speaks of reality. What does that mean? Every write this down, remember it. Everything Satan rules, he ruins. Did you hear me? Could you give him a witness? Once more. Everything Satan rules, he ruins. Lives, nations, and planets. And the realities of the tribulation would include the fact that God will expose three things about the devil. Some of which we already know. His power. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. (coughs) His power will be released upon the Antichrist and the false prophet. His potential to kill and murder and maim will be evident his power his potential and his problem three things revealed about the devil during the tribulation his power his potential and his problem (coughs) excuse me whatever you do if you're left behind do not take the mark of the beast This is the third time I've told you this in the third sermon. When the Antichrist comes to power, and he will, during the tribulation, 
either in the form of a little chip, a little chip that, like a computer chip, of course, or maybe a little tube, a little fuse that you see when you put in your uh, Christmas lights, a little light fuse. You with me? Or maybe just a code, a barcode, small, under the forehead, skin of the forehead, or under the hand. The reality is, is Antichrist is not going to be pleased to just rule a portion of the world during the tribulation. I'm hurrying. He will rise to power, most likely we're told, out of a confederation of nations in Europe that was the location of the former or previous Roman Empire. Uh, he, he will rise to power out of a confederation of at least ten nations. Do you know that those ten nations confederation already exist in Europe? Do you know it's called the European Economic Community? Already exists. Do you also know that those community of nations, the ten or more, at least ten, already have their own currency native to their alliance? So that Germany... France, England, they don't have their own currency native to their France, England, or Germany, but now the European Euro. Can I get a witness here? Do you know that it's quite probable with this confederacy, uh, a confederation, pardon me, uh, and this coming together of these nations, that they will have the ability to amass a large, large army that will be commissioned by the Antichrist and led eventually? I'm just saying to you, okay, you understand that this is all in the Word. And do you know that he won't be satisfied to lead the ten nations? He will now want to, at the middle of the tribulation and, and the latter part of it, he will now want to rule the whole, whole world. And do you know satellite coverage, live television, media, everything is already in place for one man to communicate with the whole world instantly? And here's it. If you, don't, if you take the mark of the beast and you're left behind, you are doomed forever. No chance of being saved. No chance of being saved. If you take the mark of the beast, however, you're gone. If you don't and you're born again and they find you, which they most likely will, they will kill you. But it's better to die for Jesus than to burn with the Antichrist, false prophets, and the demons of hell. You know what all this means? One thing in a whole help. Every, look at the first letter of every one of these six thoughts. S-U-F-F-E-R. The tribulation is suffering. Pastor, I don't plan to be there. Raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. I've taken too long and I apologize. But I'm, I'm sensitive to what God wants to do here. Jesus. I don't know how else to say this except to say, are you ready, sir? Are you ready, ma'am? Are you ready, teenager? Do not let an attitude, an action, or a person keep you out of heaven. Don't you let a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a business partner keep you out of heaven. Don't you let a piece of property, a car, a house, a place keep you out of heaven. No, do not let it happen. Those things are temporary. Heaven is real and eternal, and so is hell. Pastor, I need to be saved, and I want to be saved today. I'm not going to dress it up. I'm not going to fool myself, because I can't, and I can't fool God. I want to be saved. I want to come back to Christ. I want to do it. I do not want to miss the rapture and go through the tribulation or die. 
If you die in your sin before the rapture, then hell is your destination. But you don't have to go there today. Pray, Christians. Pray, pray with me. Pray, Christians. You don't have to. You know what I feel like doing? I feel like asking everybody to make sure you're ready. And me too. Let's take 30 seconds and pray over yourself. Everybody pray over yourself right now. Whether you're saved or not. In Jesus' name. God, while I've heard this sermon and I know it's right, I do not want to take for granted. Maybe I need to get some things under the blood. Come on, pray right now. God, i got to ask you to forgive me for what I said, where I've been, and who I did it with, and who I did it to. Come on, pray over yourself. Oh God, I do not want to be guilty, Lord Jesus, of thinking I'm right when I'm not. And I ask you if there's any way in my attitude, in my action, in my, in my life, oh God, anything that will keep me from going to heaven, I bring it under the blood of Jesus. I confess it and I forsake it. Somebody say amen. Oh God, I ask you, if I'm hanging with the wrong crowd or thinking the wrong thoughts or made an idol of my family or my sport or my money or my house or my business, if I have anything else on the throne of my heart but you, I ask you to forgive me now in Jesus name amen and amen stand up everybody stand up in Jesus name hallelujah to Jesus thank you Lord bow your heads a moment you need to be saved and you're not playing any games because you know God isn't and you don't want to go through the tribulation. I want to be saved. Raise up your hands right now. If that's you, hold it up. Hold it up high. I want to be born again. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. This ain't about somebody saving you. It's about God. Pray, saints. Every head bow, every eye close. Hold those hands up higher. Hold them up higher. I need to come back to God. I'm not living right. I used to be saved. Come on. Somebody help me pray here. Pray out loud if you have to. But pray. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Somebody else, I'm waiting on you. Hold it up. 17. Somebody else, hold up your hand in Jesus' name. I don't want to go to hell and I will not be deceived. I want to go to heaven. 17. Somebody else. Thank you, Jesus. 18. Put them down in Jesus' name. Everybody repeat this prayer after me, whether you're saved or not. It'll encourage those who have prayed it now or need to pray it. Out loud, everybody. Lord Jesus, thank you for another chance. To make it right. Today, Lord, I confess I am lost. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. No one else but Jesus can save me. I ask you, Lord, to come into my life. Wash away my sins. Right now, this moment, make me a new creation. Deliver me, God. From the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Today, God, write my name in your book. And I thank you that by faith I am saved. Lord Jesus, give me a love for the Bible. A love for the house of God. A love for the place of prayer. Help me to win others before it's too late. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Amen. Amen and amen. Come on and praise the Lord.